Welcome to the Kenosha City Church Podcast. Our battles aren't won in our own strength, but in God's. Revelation chapters 17 through 18 reveal to us God's divine conquest in the final battle of all time. Enjoy the message. Today we are going to continue in our study of Revelation. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 17 specifically today. And I just want to say hello to everybody in here, especially if this is your first time or first time online. We're really excited that you can be with us today. And if you've missed any of the messages uh, in the book of Revelation, you can find all of our messages at kenosha.church slash uh, messages, or it's on our app as well, too, our Kenosha City Church app. Um, some people, by the way, too, they're like, where's our, do you got church have a bulletin? Yeah, it's called our Kenosha City Church app, so that's a powerful tool for you as well. All right, enough of that. Revelation chapter 17, and as you're turning there, uh, I, as I was thinking about this message this week, I, I was thinking about my very first missions trip, and I've mentioned some stories about that. I mentioned, like, uh, you know, when it was my first flight, I've mentioned, you know, some of the stories on the ground doing the missions, but I've, I don't think I've ever Maybe I did years ago. I don't think I've ever told the story of the last day of the missions trip. Now, on, on many missions trips, they'll usually give you um, a, a day of tour uh, where you can go in the pyramids. I've, I've mentioned that. But a day of shopping, all right? And so everybody was excited to go into the Cairo Bazaar, all right? It was this gigantic uh, just Medina of shops, shops upon shops. If you've ever seen the movie Aladdin, especially the animated version, because that's the superior version, right, for you Disney people, right? Uh, but uh, it is like going to the different shops. Whenever you come into the shops, like, oh, my friend, you're my friend. Let me show you these things, and I'll give you my price. It's usually this, but it's, I'm going to give you five dinar off because, uh, or actually it's Egyptian pounds. I'm going to give you it for five less Egyptian pounds because you're my friend. Friend. And it makes you feel really good. You're like, ooh, yeah, I, I think I, I think I want to buy this statue of uh, of Ramses or whatever. <laughs> okay, so yeah. Well, anyway, what I was really looking for though, before I even went, I wanted a fake Rolex watch. Okay, I knew I could never afford a real one, but my friend Ben a friend of Kenosha City Church, my friend Ben, who speaks to every once in a while, he came to Trinity one day rocking with an amazing, real-looking Rolex watch that his brother, who was an Iraq vet, was able to get in the Middle East. I thought, whoa, that's so awesome. He would preach in it. He would wear it. I'm like, man, he, it just looks so cool. I'm like, if I ever get to that area of the world, I'm going to buy one myself. And so here I was, and this was my time. I asked the different Trinity professors, where do I get a fake Rolex? They knew, all right? So this was a thing. And so, and so you go into this Medina, and you just start asking around. So I go into the flower shop that sells some alabaster jars. Like, my friend, how about some flowers in an alabaster jar? I'm like, nah, I want a fake Rolex. I'm like, oh, I know just what to do. They go to the next shop, and they're selling chess boards. Uh, and I'm like, I want a fake Rolex. Oh, I know what just to do. We went to literally 20 shops. They're all my friends. I gained a lot of friends that day. Uh, and I asked them, and they all said they're going to help me find the fake Rolex. So finally, they took me to a corner of the Medina. This is like a little outdoor mall, right? They took me to a little corner, and uh, there's this guy with a backpack. And he's like, ooh, my friend. I was like, I think this is my friend, all right? <laughs> and so he had a backpack. He takes the backpack off. He's like, you want the Rolex, huh? He's like, yeah, I want a Rolex. He opens up his backpack. And in the cheapest-looking plastic, right, the cheapest-looking plastic, he's like, Here's the Rolex. It's very, yes, very, very valuable. I'm like, there's no way. Like, have you ever bought those generic things on eBay? You know they came from a country that, you know, that, that, that just, they just manufacture things like crazy, and it comes in this really crinkly, 
just cheap plastic. That is, by the way, if you're ever buying electronic that comes out of cheap plastic, it will burn your house down. Throw it away right away, right? Like the cheap, that cheap plastic is always kind of a, an understanding like, yeah, this isn't real. Well, that's what this Rolex came in. But he's like, oh, this is real. And I'll give it to you today for the equivalent of 100 American dollars. Well, my profs at Trinity, yes, these are scholars, by the way, right? Won't say their names, but our maps and our Bibles and a lot of our Old Testament scholarship came from them. And they're helping me find this thing, all right? So anyway, they're like, don't spend more than 20 American dollars. Just walk away, all right? And maybe they'll, they'll come back. And like, sorry, man, not going to do it. He's like, okay and he walked away I'm like whoa it, it wasn't supposed to go that way so I started over again I went to the shops looking for a fake relax oh my friend yes I'll find it to you 20 shops later they're like we we found the person that will give you the fake Rolex just go to the shop and sit or go to the restaurant sit at the table and order a coke I was like, how could this go wrong, right? You've seen the movies, right? Han Solo comes out the gun and goes, boom, right? And so I, I, so I sit down uh, in, in, the, in the restaurant. There is a little Katina band playing, just like Star Wars. I was like, this, I don't know what's going on here. So I'm sitting in this restaurant, and sure enough, this person comes to sit down at the table. It's not another guy selling the fake Rolex. It's the same guy. I'm like, you again. He's like, my friend, we're back. I'm like, yes. He's like, let me buy you a Coke, and we'll talk about the prospect of you buying this Rolex. I'm like, listen, let's just save all of our time here, all right? You're wasting time on me. You don't need to buy me a Coke. You don't need to tell me all what you're, what's all about this watch. I know it's fake. $20, and we'll walk away today. And he's like, hmm. Because I like you so much. <laughs> and so I became an owner of a fake Rolex. Here it is, everybody. And it looks so good because, you know, it looks real. I, actually, I was telling Allison, I've never worn this thing because I realized, let's see if I can, let's see if I can get this open here. I don't even know if I can get it open. I can't even get it open. I'm gonna, probably going to break it here. Oh, here we go. Here we go. See, but anyway, I'm wasting, now I'm wasting your time. So anyway, it doesn't even fit my wrist. That's what I'm trying to show you. All right? And because it hasn't fit my wrist and I haven't done anything with it, it still has the fake plastic on it, all right? And so, but this thing is, it has the wind up. It looks real. Like even, like my buddy Benny's like, oh man, it even, even has the sticker. Like he knows these things, right? And he's like, oh, it even has a sticker in the back. This looks real, man. It's like, sweet. So this thing has literally been at my house doing nothing, right? But I have it. Here it is. I, I, I try to wear it today. It doesn't fit, but, you know, it, it, it looks good. It looks real. It never worked. And the reason why it never worked and it's never kept time is because it's not the real thing. It's made to look real, but it's not real. And how often do we settle for a fake Rolex in life? And we wheel around in life and we look at and we and we try to go as if this world is the only world that we have. We settle, we want the look, we want the thing now. Uh, we, want it, we want to fit in to be on what is called all the time the right side of history. Oh, these next 48 hours in this country, we're gonna hear the right side of history a lot. And I want you to know, when it comes to life, life is the right side of history, period, all right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, in 48 hours, or it could be a month, but they're thinking the next 48 hours, 
they will reveal the ruling of Roe v. Wade. Now, I want you to know as a church, we don't talk politics, but we talk what's in the Bible. And the Bible says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You're woven together in your mother's womb. You're fearfully, wonderfully made. Every life that is conceived is a life that matters to God. Now, I know there may be people that have had abortions in this room. I want you to know there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ in that. There's forgiveness in Jesus Christ in anything, amen? So, we want to be on the right side of history, though. The right side of history is not what the collective society says. The right side of history is, what does God think about it? What does he say about it? But the, oftentimes, that's not in the equation. Oftentimes, we're looking for the look. We're looking for the satisfaction in life. And we look for, all, we look for that in all the wrong places. <clears throat> we go to many places to find this so-called proverbial fountain of youth of satisfaction. Maybe it's finding that right person. Maybe today you're single and you're like, man, if I can just get married, I can find that right person. My life will be complete. Hey, married people, let's laugh a little bit, right? Right? <laughs> you complete me. My wife says, Andy, you annoy me. All right? So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Maybe. Anyway, so, I mean, you never annoy me, but I know I do to you. So anyway, but anyway, uh, no, in, in all reality, though, God completes us, Right? We, we put all these people, places, and things that may be good in themselves, but, but what happens is, is we, we elevate them to levels that were never meant to be elevated to. If you're married, maybe you want to look like that perfect couple. Okay, we've got to have the right car. We've got to have the right yard. Uh, our kids, they have to be in the right activities. Oh, man, parents, you're just rushing around trying to compare your kids to see what extra activities. All right, you're going to go into badminton. I don't even know what badminton is. Well, the rest of the kids in the neighborhood are doing it. You're doing it too, right? You know parents, you do this put our kids through a rat race just because we want to feel like we're parenting right. Maybe it's that next, we look for the satisfaction of that next Netflix and Disney Plus show, right? Oh, that next show. You know that next show you want to watch. But you know what? If you were, if you were totally satisfied by a show, this is what you do. Oh, man, The Mandalorian was so good. Yeah? Don't need to watch TV ever again. Why? It was that good. Have you ever said that, right? When you're done watching a good show, you know what you want? Okay, what's next? All right, well, what's the next show coming out? When's the next season? Is there a bonus episode? It doesn't matter how good it is, you're never satisfied. Maybe, just maybe, uh, you're in school and you have the pressure of making straight A's or you have the pressure of, of, of getting that 5.0, 6.0, I don't know what it was. 4.0 is the highest it was when I was in school, when I'm back in my day, right? But now it's like, I got a 10.0. What's that even mean, all right? But the thing is, is that people are, and we should strive to do everything under the Lord. I'm not saying be mediocre, not at all. But what I'm saying is sometimes people feel that pressure to, to, to be that 10.0 or 11.0 or whatever point it is, that they're willing to do it by any means necessary, including cheating. The, the cheating is rampant in schools today because people want to look the part, even though they know they, they can't be the part maybe. If they don't cheat, it's wrong. Maybe in your social circles, okay? Maybe you're trying to find a satisfaction in your social circles and you're sitting in that social circle and proverbially the doobie or proverbially the, 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 the shot glass goes around and they want to know why you won't partake. And you're worried, if I don't partake in this moment of this proverbial uh, compromise, uh, then maybe I won't have the equity with my friends. I won't find that satisfaction with my friends. But how many people today are trying to break a habit because you impressed a friend 20 years ago? And this is what satisfaction does of the world. It says that you can have it now. You can have it now. You can have the instant gratification. It's, it's telling you that the solutions to your problems, 
You can have happiness now from your depression. Uh, you, you, can, you can buy this thing and no longer be bored. The world says it satisfies, but I want you to know the only guarantee the world can give you ultimately is a letdown. Relationships change. Possessions break. Happiness is fleeting depending on our circumstances. You see, our hearts, I've mentioned this before, but our hearts have a hole. And that hole we try to fill with so many different things. All of us do. And that hole can only be filled by our maker, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? This is our main point this morning as we get into Revelation uh, chapter 17. This is the main idea. And we're going to see this in the text this morning. The world is selling what only the Lord can offer. The world is selling what only the world can offer. The Lord is the only one who can satisfy. We were created to know him. In fact, Jesus said this specifically in John chapter 6, verse 35. I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. No one comes to me will ever be hungry. And no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Remember that, that hole in your heart? If you have Jesus Christ, he will quench your hunger. If you have Jesus Christ, he will quench your thirst. But what the world is selling, only the Lord can offer. And this is so important as we look in our next section of Revelation. Today, we're going to see in greater detail the end of the world's system. The systems that we see today that are screaming that you can find satisfaction in it without God. Last week, we walked through the final judgments of the world. The Revelation has three sets of seven judgments. Okay, so 21 judgments. Uh, that will occur in the world over a seven-year period. The seven-year period is called the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation has not happened yet. I believe the church will be taken up before that time to spare us the wrath of God. During this time, people can still give their lives to Jesus, and many of those who do give their lives to Jesus during this time will die for it because people will have to have an allegiance to the world's system or they die. So... Last week, we walked through the final judgments, and today's text serves as a postscript to the final judgment and a segue to our discussions in the weeks to come that we'll talk about eternity, we'll talk about final judgment, we'll talk about heaven and hell. Those are like really light subjects, right? (laughs) Not really, all right? So let's take a look here. Let's first, before we get into Revelation 17, let's go back a few verses to Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. All right, so this is the end of the last judgments that we looked at last week. And let me just read this to you. This is the Battle of Armageddon. Revelation 16, verse 12. The six poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water dried up to prepare the way of the kings of the east. Then I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs, coming from the dragon's mouth, from the beast's mouth, and from the mouth of the false prophet. For they are demonic spirits performing signs who travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle of the great day of God the Almighty. Look, I'm coming like a thief. This is the Lord speaking. Blessed is the one who is alert and remains clothed so that he may not go around naked and, and people see his shame. So they assembled at the king's place called in Hebrew Armageddon. So what we see here in the last battle uh, of the earth, uh, of, of the tribulation, are earthly kings and kingdoms and cultures and strongholds all uh, culminate in one place to take on the Lord. And when you look at, if you think of, of uh, if every world army, every world king, every world leader, uh, all the cultures went to one place to fight you, uh, you, would, you would look at that and say, man, that is powerful. I don't know how we're going to overcome that. 
You see, what seems large and in charge can seem unshakable. Through the sheer numbers and power, we may conclude that our security is in that army. Or our security is in our personal independence. Thus wrongly concluding we don't need God. That's, what's, that's what the wrong conclusion is going to be here in Revelation. But might I say that today we struggle with that wrong conclusion in our lives today too, right? Whether it be our security in our own lives or, or maybe you find your security in the government or security in something else. It's in those moments we're going to be challenged to be self-reliant and not God-reliant. Does that make sense? So we see these earthly kingdoms coming together and people are wrongly concluding there is no need for God but make no mistake, how, no matter how strong a kingdom is, no matter how strong a stronghold is, Jesus is king. Amen, church? And our God reigns forever and ever and ever. Amen, church? We need to be ready for his coming, therefore. And, I, and I've said in weeks past, I do think his coming is soon. I don't know when. I'm not going to give you a date or time. Uh, I, I think it's in our lifetime, but so did my grandma, and she's in glory now. All right, I could be wrong. But we need to prepare as it is that he is coming soon. And we've seen storm clouds these last few years. They've been gathering. Church, we need to be ready. We need to be like Jesus and grow like Jesus without delay. We must know him personally. That means if you don't know him personally, you need to give your life to Jesus. You need to personally, today, ask him for forgiveness of your sins. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior, today, you need to become fully devoted. Now, notice I didn't say perfect. None of us are perfect. Anybody that comes in here is like, I'm just perfect. I got everything figured out. Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> this is, you're, gonna, you're gonna be around some ragtag people here at Kenosha City Church, all right? You're gonna be sorely disappointed this isn't the church of the perfect, all right? Because nobody is. Nobody's perfect, but that's not an excuse to stay where you're at. We are to become fully devoted, which means right now, without delay, let's not go from the left or the right, let's go to the straight and narrow where Jesus is, is, is walking in his word, Amen. We need to live, live a life that is growing to be more like Jesus. He is our king, and we must follow him and obey him. Back to verse 16 of uh, chapter 16, the Battle of Armageddon. This is a battle that will occur 60 miles north of Jerusalem, and some 200 battles were fought here throughout Scripture. Now, these kings that come to assemble in this battle, they're filled with demonic spirits. They assemble on that great day, and we're told in Scripture uh, that we aren't to be surprised uh, when uh, spirits are, uh, are de demonic spirits are trying to influence people or influence kingdoms. Uh, we are told in scripture that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Well, we know that our battle is not against people. Our battle isn't necessarily just against even, even a, a politician or, 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 or an army commander. It is against the enemy, the devil, uh, he's like, oh, you talked about the devil. You believe it? Yes, he is real, and he's come to seek, kill, and destroy. Our world is not a struggle against people. It's spiritual. The enemy comes to seek, kill, destroy you right now. The enemy hates the gospel. He hates the church. He hates Kenosha City Church. He hates your family. He hates you. He hates me. He wants nothing more but your destruction. And he will throw anything at you to confuse you. From the word of God and the faithfulness of God. Let that sink in. We have a powerful enemy that opposes you. He'll do anything for, for you to even twist the word of God. Oh, he'll let you have a Bible, right? But he wants you to be clouded and, and the word of God be twisted and, and for you to do it in your own way. 
He will do anything for you to be distracted and, and, and feel uh, distorted from the word of God. Make no mistake, the enemy is trying to attack you. He's a trying to attack you right now. He has forevermore. But I, I want you to know, you're like, well, Andy, if this is the case, how come you've been talking about the attacks of the enemy? Like every message you've been given forever. And it's like, here's the reason why. Because if you are in the Lord, if you are being filled with his Holy Spirit, greater is he than the one who's in the world, right? Like, like if, if you are armored up and suited up in, in the armor of the Lord, yes, you may be taking enemy fire, but you're gonna be like, what was that? Because you're gonna be following the chief commander who victory is guaranteed yours when you're following him. Do you believe that, church? Greater is he, that is Jesus Christ, who said on the cross, it is finished, who has given you his Holy Spirit until he comes back. Why? So that you are capable of doing what he's asking you to do. And in the text this morning, we see this enemy is going to attempt to fight God himself. Now, we often think of the battle of Armageddon as this long, drawn-out battle. Uh, in fact, the word Armageddon has, you don't even have to be in church world to, to hear that word. It's entered our, our secular English vernacular. Oh, man, it's going to be Armageddon, right? Movies Armageddon, sports Armageddon. It's Armageddon, right? We're like, ooh, this is going to be big. This is going to be a big, long, drawn-out war. But what's surprising is when you read this in Scripture, it's not long and drawn out. No, 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 no. Yeah, the whole world's armies are assembled with all their weaponry, but God shows up. You know, I, I, I'm going to bring up something. I'm going to bring up something real quick here. Uh, professional wrestling, okay? It is, it is a secret of mine, okay? So I grew up watching professional wrestling. Then guess what? Every guy in here, you're like, I don't watch professional wrestling. Let's just get over it. Hi, my name is, say your name, and I watched professional wrestling at one point in my life, all right? Get over it, right? You watched Hulk Hogan rip his shirt, all right? I did too as a kid. And the thing is, uh, there's these things called, I know wrestling is not real, okay? I don't want to hear it in the chat section, all right? Oh, yeah, it's fake. I know it's fake, all right? But when I was a kid, they'd have this guy that'd come out, and he'd have a microphone, and he'd say, I'm going to win the championship tonight. And you're like, whoa, he's pretty believable, right? Then all, and he'd get in the ring, and he'd like, he'd, he'd be pacing like this. I'm like, oh, man, he's going to win. And then all of a sudden, Hulk Hogan's music would hit. He'd come down. He'd rip his shirt. He'd knock him to the ground. He'd put the big leg, and he'd win in three minutes or less, right? Because he was the champion. He was made this cartoon hero. And you're like, yeah! He won. I want you to know when Jesus Christ shows up to the last battle of Armageddon, it's not going to be a long, drawn out war like, oh no, what's going to happen? Jesus just shows up and he won. He just showed up and he won. We need to know that in our life, right? Let Jesus just show up. The Lord is our stronghold. Never ever try to go to something else and settle for cheap imitations. Yeah, it's gonna look good. It might even make you feel good, but it doesn't work. The world is selling what the only the Lord can offer. There's three things we need to understand this morning uh, if we're gonna understand what the world's trying to sell and what the Lord can only offer. Number one is don't be fooled by appearances, all right? Number one. Number two, don't be fooled by sheer numbers. And number three, don't listen to the taunts of the enemy. It'll get you completely distracted. Let's take a look at number one. Number one, don't be fooled by appearances. Why? Because deception does seem powerful. We see this now in our main text. Let's go to Revelation. Open up your Bibles, uh, either digitally or your regular Bibles. If you're new here, it'll be on the screen. It's really, really important you take notes. It's really, really important that you're traveling along with the word right here because we're in Revelation, the hardest book in the Bible. I, I, seriously, I'm just telling you right now, like, 
this is hard stuff. Even like when I'm looking at chapter seven, they're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me, right? And so I'm just going to tell you, this is hard stuff, so we need to track with it, all right? Revelation chapter 17, verse one. Deception seems powerful. Don't be fooled by appearances. The one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me. <clears throat> so this is an angel who was pouring out some of the judgments we talked about last week. Come, I will show you the judgment of the notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. The kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with her, and those who live on the earth became drunk on wine of her sexual immorality. Then he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness. Now, we went through the judgments last week and the weeks prior. But this passage, again, is a flashback. It is a postscript of a great battle that occurs at the end of the bull judgment. It serves as a summary statement of the world system versus the Lord's kingdom. We notice there's going to be a great judgment with what's described as a notorious prostitute who is seated on many waters. That's an interesting phrase, all right? Didn't think you are going to hear that phrase today in church. This is actually not a prostitute, but a metaphor of one. It's describing a false religion that's set up for the entire world uh, so that they can worship a demonic antichrist. In order to cope with the wrath that has been poured out by God, the majority of the world will not turn to their maker, but they will double down on their worship of themselves and something else. Often when a person has an aha moment, often when a person is going through the worst things in life, you, you, you pray, even whether it be for yourself or whether it be <clears throat> for anybody in your life. Like, man, I hope that they would actually consider God right now. You would think that after the world went through 21 severe judgments, that somewhere along those lines, people would turn to the Lord. And some people did. Many people will. Many people will die for it. But the majority of the world will say, we don't want to turn to our maker. So in order to cope with that wrath, they double down. They double down and they turn to the Antichrist and its one world system as their hope. Now, why would God call the Antichrist a prostitute? God uses it as a picture, prostitution or any sexual immorality. Uh, it's a counterfeit to the genuine bond that is found in a one man and one woman marriage. All right? So that is, that is a... That is a uh, a picture that when we are unfaithful to God, that's, how, why, that's what he's using as a picture of prostitution. So verse 1, this Antichrist in his one world system is seated on many waters. Now many ancient and even cities today are situated on ports. And we can relate to this as Kenosians. Uh, we live on a major body of water. And at one point during the, the industrial age of our city, uh, we had a, we, it, was, it was a major port for manufacturing. Uh, this phrase, seated on many waters, means that the Antichrist will have great influence over the world, just as port cities in the ancient world were cities of great influence. So this one-world religion and government was brought into reality because of the demonic influence. In verse 2, we see the kings of the earth committed sexual immorality with them, meaning they bonded themselves with this Antichrist. So countries around the world will join together. Uh, I would imagine they will void their constitutions. They will void their autonomy and they will avoid their sovereignty, and they'll give themselves out over nationally over to the Antichrist for world dominance. Uh, this will play out with a one-world currency, which is made into the mark of the beast. We read that earlier in, in last week, where if anyone does not have this mark, they will not be able to buy or sell goods, uh, and the country's military and other resource, resources will be, uh, uh, will be combined as well. 
So in order to have the mark of the beast, you have to worship the, the Antichrist. And so if you don't worship the Antichrist, you don't have currency. All right, you can see where it gets really tough for believers here, all right? And so we see here is a one-world government where the borders have disappeared, where all the resources are together. <clears throat> and for some people, like, oh, that sounds really beautiful. I know, there's a song written about it. I wonder if John Lennon was prophesying in the 1970s with his song, Imagine. If you've never heard his song, Imagine, you're really lucky, all right? And me being a Beatles fan, I can't stand this song because it's one fat lie. Listen to this. Imagine there's no countries. It isn't hard to do. Nothing to kill or die for and no religion too. Imagine all the people living life in peace. You may say that I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one. I hope someday you'll join us and the world will be as one. And he goes on and he says some other nice utopian things. It was so popular in the 1970s, actual church denominations put in their hymnal and they sang it on Sunday mornings. All right, It became the resurgence in the last couple of years during the pandemic. Every Hollywood person went out in their <clears throat> went out in the front yard and just started to sing this song, thinking that we wanted to watch it all day long, right? And when you hear this song, your heart actually is evoked into like, ooh, that, that kind of has a beautiful me melody. That kind of has a, a beautiful, um, that kind of has a beautiful sound to it or a beautiful idea to it. What if we could all be as one and there'd be no war and there'd be no divisions? And there's something in that that our heart longs for. But you are not gonna arrive there uh, without God. And this is exactly what John Lennon's trying to say. He's like, uh, you can arrive there without God. It is a secular anthem that our hearts long for, but it's gonna, it's gonna go there. We see that in the book of Revelation. It goes there, but people aren't singing. People are dying because the enemy comes to seek, kill, and destroy. You gotta understand that. Don't be fooled by appearances. We cannot be collectively God. Groupthink is powerful, but it's never more powerful than God or ever replaces his word. We are living in an age right now where people are group thinking theology, group thinking their morality. We're living in an era right now where we do what feels good right in the moment. And whole church denominations are falling asunder to this. We're living in a great age where we're watching denominations that we thought would never fall to falsehood are falling quickly. Quickly. And there's, create, there's powerful arguments that are that are, that are being created of why they're going this way, but it's devoid of anything from the Spirit of God. It may look powerful, but don't be fooled by appearances, church. The Antichrist's demonic deception not only will have the appearance of power, right, but it will be also in style. Look at this, Revelation chapter 17, verse three. I saw a woman seated on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and 10 horns. The woman was dressed in purple scarlet, adorned with gold, jewels, and pearls. She had a golden cup in her hand filled with everything detestable with the impurities of her prostitution. People will not only be fooled by what looks very powerful in the appearance of that, but it will also be in vogue. People will want to follow the Antichrist because it's what everybody else is doing. When there's a bandwagon effect of, well, this is what everybody else is doing, this is what my neighbor is doing, you want to fit in. Notice this in verse three, we see a woman on a scarlet beast. This is a description of the marrying of the one world government with a one world religion. Uh, in ver verse nine of this chapter, we'll see the seven heads is also called seven mountains. These represent seven governments and the 10 horns represent 10 kings who subordinate themselves to the Antichrist. Now, this would point, uh, this would point to as a united government uh, again, the, call, the, the consolidation of nations, 
uh, to make one government, one religion. Now, I believe that even before the days of Revelation, you will begin to see the consolidation of nations, all right? And so this isn't a statement on, oh, no, the European Union's bad, all right? Don't hear me there. I don't know if it's, it, it could be neutral, okay? It could be awesome. I don't know. But I do believe you're going to continue to see the consolidation of nations around the world. And I do believe, possibly, this is just me guessing, because we have right here the seven mountains, it very well could represent seven continents, all right? It could represent the North America, South America, Asia, Europe, Af uh, Africa, Australia, uh, and maybe even Oceania. Uh, I guess if you want to inhabit Antarctica, sure, why not? Well, you know, they, they need it too, all right? So, but... That very well could be, it might not be, I don't know, but I do believe the consolidation of nations will be a precursor to what happens during the Great Tribulation. Does that make sense? And so this, this entity will be in vogue. People will be so happy, just as the John Lennon song sings, that the world is one, even though it's costing them to experience the wrath of God. Now, this world has been through some of the most confusing times in the last two years. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree these last two years have just been hard uh, since 2020? Uh, whether it be the shutdowns, or be uh, many of you have experienced COVID, I know I have, uh, the riots, the, uh, the elections, the wars, court rulings, centuries of history has happened in mere weeks and months. I want you to think about that. What would take centuries has been consolidated in a mere 24 months. That is devastating to the psyche. That if you're feeling just like, like this, you're not alone. In fact, uh, health experts are saying uh, that there's been a 25% increase in major mental health issues. I'm not talking about you waking up feeling stressed. I'm talking about people that are clinically, clinically feeling anxiety or depression to where they have to go get clinical help. We're talking tens of millions of people before the pandemic. Now in this season, tens of millions of more people that had to have go to the clinic because they are mentally uh, just uh, uh, struggling. And this isn't to say that almost everybody has experienced uh, anxiety and depression and mental anguish that might not reach clinical levels. Many of us have reached it on at least minor levels. Can we agree to that? I know I have. And so this has been a, a season. Uh, it underscores uh, that, that, uh, that because almost all of us have experienced this trauma, uh, that the, this acts as a powder keg to even small situations that happen in your life and that happen in society. And this underscores the reason why people need the Lord. We need to follow the Lord right now. We can't go through this life and what's going to happen in even the next year, two, or three years in society and in your life without him. We will bust. We will break. And I'm going to make a prediction that I believe that society is on the verge of breaking mentally. I really do. And so we need the Lord. We are ripe for revival. We need revival. But just as people in the end will turn to a counterfeit antichrist today, our people are not turning to Jesus. They're interested in Jesus. That's why we need to invite people to church. That's why we need to share the gospel with people. But people are turning to false religions and droves and new age philosophies and humanism mixed with Christianity. In one city a few years back, a church that was once evangelical decided they need to become culturally relevant, okay? You know, these churches that are authentic. Okay, now let me just say something here. People are like, what do you mean when you say authentic? It's, I'm mocking people that think they're being authentic, which means they can do whatever they want. All right? We need to be real. We need to be authentic. We need to, we need, we need to be real, right? Amen? Uh, we need to be real. We're broken. We're in need of Jesus. We need to be authentic, right? But I'm talking to the people like, let me just be authentic right now. I'm like, oh, give me a break, right? You know what I'm talking about. 
Well, anyway, this church wanted to be authentic and culturally relevant. And so what they did was, is they began to deny the Bible as having power. They began to deny the Bible as being inerrant. That means without error. They began to deny the Bible as being authoritative. And soon after, you can know it began to fall. All these cultural things. And one day they hung up on, I think it was June of that year, they hung up a rainbow flag and they said, hey, guess what? We're gonna start marrying everybody, all right? Uh, you, know, you know, love is love. And people are like, huh, what's going on here? It's because their, their ethic began to change. And they continued to progress. When you're a progressive Christian, that's not necessarily political, okay? I'm talking about progressive Christians. What that means is they are progressing from the word of God into something else. And if you're progressing and you continue to progress, you will continually end up in a space where inevitably you end up denying Jesus himself. And this is what this church ended up doing. They're like, you know what? We think God's just a good guru. Seriously, this is what they said. They went from, okay, we think the Bible might be this. Okay, we're gonna put a new flag up. Okay, and then finally a year later, they're like, we think Jesus is just, you know, another guy. And people are like, oh, okay. So they got rid of all their worship songs. Jesus started singing spiritual songs and they started singing, you know, U2 and they started singing, and I still have a fan what I'm looking for. And you're like, seriously? Like they flipped all their songs. They got rid of their scripture reading and started reading poetry with profanity. And then they began to speak sermons that were all humanity. Seven steps about becoming a better you. Listen, I'm gonna tell you something right now. You don't need a message on seven steps on becoming a better you. We don't need to be better at myself. We need Jesus in our life. We need people to see Jesus in our life. We need to see people, the people need to see Christ in us. We gotta drop a nuke on this humanistic, watered down Christianity where people wanna be a better version of themselves. Christianity is not being a better version of yourself. Christianity is being made new in the light of Jesus Christ where people see Christ in you, amen, church? And yet that's where this church went. And many churches are going that direction, many. 1 Timothy 4.1 says this, now the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. In 2 Timothy, Paul goes on and warns Timothy, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. For people will become lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. That's what's happening in churches across America today. Others turn away from the church altogether. For instance, in Kenosha, pray for me here, though, because we're going to get hexed, all right? For instance, in Kenosha, there's a spiritual market. Oh, yeah, we're going there, all right? This is where people can participate in divination. It's happening right in our market. Many moms go there with their kids and dads that are, that are looking for just a little edge in life because they're just going crazy, going to all the four or five soccer games and baseball games and everything else. They need to go buy some crystals and tarot cards and do a little divination so they can talk to their dead grandpa. And listen, I don't want to be like, how dare you do that? I know why people are doing that. They're searching. And these are the people that we gave them the gospel. They'd, they would learn the truth. People are looking for spiritual but they're finding spiritual outside of Jesus. And listen, I want you to know, if you didn't know this, Kenosha County is a dark county. 
Historically, it has been a place of witchcraft. Historically, it's been a place of mediums. Historically, it's been a place where they've kicked out evangelists when they've tried to come up here. And literally, Billy Sunday's one of them where they, they, they chased him out with a pitchfork. This has been a place where the church needs to make inroads. It's one of the most unreached counties in America. Well, it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like San Francisco, I know, because we have a lot of traditional religious upbringing, and that can create a veneer of what actually reality is. Over 60% of our county says they don't believe anything. They're nuns, not nuns like Catholic nuns. It means they're nothing. They don't believe in anything. This is unreached. And yet the increasing of the spirituality without God is increasing in this county. And it's been historical. It's not just something that's new. This place will be one for Jesus Christ. This county will be one for Jesus Christ. We need, I know Journey was brought up, we need the Journeys. We need the other churches in this city. We need Kenosha City Church to go places we've never gone before. So we put Satan on notice, not in my flesh, but in his spirit, by the God who said it is finished on the cross. We will not stop until Jesus Christ comes back. Amen? And we will go into new places. We will reach people that have never been reached before. We will see marriages that are broken healed. We will see people one to Jesus if we don't stop. Life is too short and the stakes are too high to know what we know about the gospel and do nothing. Church, you are a missionary in a county that I absolutely love and a city that we absolutely love. We do not detest it. We realize the darker that it may get, with through the riots, we realize the darker it may get, we are gonna press on with the gospel because the gospel does not return void. And listen, you better not do it in your flesh. You better not do it in your own talents. You will be squashed by the enemy. But listen, if you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, you do it in the power of the word of Jesus Christ, you're already victorious and he's gonna move in and through you of which you didn't even think you're capable of doing. That is why we can claim the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There will be no coexisting of the one world religion in, uh, in Revelation, and, and there will be no coexisting with the government, with the things of God, and the great tribulation, that last seven years of history. Anyone who gives their life to Jesus will have a death sentence on their head. And you know, it's like that all across the world today in the third world, but this will be universal. Today, people will try to coexist with false demonic spirituality. Listen, I want you to know this right now. If you went to a spirit market or if you have tarot cards, all that stuff, just get rid of them, throw them away. All right, this isn't like, how dare you, right? I'm trying to just share with you uh, the dangers of messing with the enemy, all right? So you can't mix it with Christianity, all right? Uh, you're either for them or against them, Jesus said, all right? And so this is, this is a line in the sand because that's counterfeit. You can have the Holy Spirit, and that's real. It's real and it's victorious. He's, he's, the enemy is this, right? He's counterfeit. He doesn't work, but he wants to destroy you. That's his mission. Jesus came to give you life and life at the fullest. So don't be fooled by appearances. You can't coexist uh, with the things of the enemy. And here's the reason why. Deception accuses the ways of God. Some people are like, well, I can dabble a little bit in that, and then I can come to church. Listen, you want to know why you can't dabble with the devil? It's because he hates God, and he hates you. Verse 5, verse 5 of chapter 17 of Revelation. On her forehead was written a name, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and the detestable things of the earth, 
Then I saw the woman who was drunk with the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. It was common for prostitutes in Rome to identify themselves. And this one world government and the religion personified as a prostitute is identified as Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes and of detestable things of the earth. Let me just say this. Babylon's not coming back. Like, oh boy, they're going to rebuild Babylon. Babylon will be back on the map. I mean, maybe it could. I, I don't foresee that. I think Babylon is being personified. It was a great empire, and this one world nation will be the empire of all empires. And so what we see here is that Babylon is a symbol of the world's opposition towards Jesus. We see the extent of the opposition of the enemy. This is the reason why you can't dabble with it. This is the reason why we can't join forces with, with spiritualism and new ageism that's devoid of Jesus. It's because their end goal is the blood of the saints and the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. Listen, church, don't play with the devil. Don't give the devil an inch. When we stray from obeying God and his word, uh, when we do it our own way, we open ourselves up to demonic attack. When we play with the occult or new age spirituality, when we play with the, by the devil's rules, you know, you know, when we say, you know what? I know God's word says this, but I'm gonna do it my way. I want you to know you're opening yourself up to demonic attack. The enemy wants nothing to bloody you. We see this, this the, the blood of the saints, the blood of the witnesses of Jesus. He wants nothing to do to bloody you, your marriage, your kids, the church, and the gospel. And it sounds scary, and it's only scary if you entertain him as your guest. But the gospel... Jesus says it is finished. The Holy Spirit uh, who fills you afresh each and every day. Just receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When you're in his word and you're being obedient, I want you to know you're slamming the door at the devil. You're slamming his door. We see this in Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Whose feet? Your feet. The world is selling what only the Lord can offer. Don't be fooled by appearances. Number two, don't be fooled by the majority. We have two smaller points here. Number two, don't be fooled by the majority. Revelation chapter 17, verse eight and verse 14. We see this, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to come from the abyss and go to destruction. Those who live on the earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will be astonished when they see the beast that was, is not, and is to come. Now, verse 8 brings up how the Antichrist came to be worshipped. Now, as I've been going through Revelation, I'm like, why would anybody just want to worship this guy? He seems like, he seems, he just seems like a tyrant. Like, why would, why would the whole world do that? Well, here's how it happened. Uh, it flashes back to about, this is a flashback, verse 8, to about the three and a half year period of the tribulation. And the beast is described as, you saw was, is not, and is about to come from the abyss. This describes a moment where the world came to be in awe of the Antichrist. In fact, we see a deeper picture of this in Revelation chapter 13, verse 3. It says this, One of its heads, this is talking the Antichrist, appeared to be fatally wounded, but its fatal wound was healed. The whole earth was amazed and followed the beast. They worshipped the dragon because he gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to wage war against it? So what we see here is the Antichrist faked his own death, all right? The Antichrist faked his own death, uh, <clears throat> and they, they, they put him, they, they, they probably have a funeral for him, a state funeral. I'm imagining, this is just, I'm just using my imagination, I could be wrong here, all right? But I'm imagining at his funeral, all of a sudden, whoop, he, he rises to life, right? He's going to fake a resurrection. That's why, he, that's why we see here in our text today, 
uh, that you saw was and is not and is about to come up, we see here a fake resurrection uh, happening of uh, this Antichrist. And it's at that moment, a very powerful demon, what we see here from the abyss, uh, comes to dwell the Antichrist, where the Antichrist begins to exhibit supernatural power. So you can see where the world's like, okay, all this wrath, maybe this is the God we've been looking for, right? Uh, let's, let's follow him. Let's worship him. He resurrected. Uh, he has power. It's a, it's a fake resurrection. Uh, it, it's, it's demonic power, but that's how the world uh, began to worship him. And we notice something else here, too, in our text in, verse, in chapter 17. We notice the phrase, the book of life. So those whose names aren't in the book of life will worship this Antichrist. Well, what is the book of life? We'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But the book of life simply is this. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. All right? It is literally your reservation list uh, when you get to heaven, right? You know, when you go to a restaurant and there's a line out there and they kind of look through the book, Oh, your name's right here, right? That's what it's going to be like in heaven, right? They're going to open up the book. They're going to open up the book. Oh, here's your name right there. I see you. I see you, right? But those whose names are not in that book, they will worship the beast, all right? So this is the, your name. You, you want your name to be written in the Lamb's book of life. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus, it is written there, right? It is your reservation. And, and you probably can, you know, when you hear reservation, you might tense up because you might have had problems with reservations in the past. Uh, a year and a half ago, Allison and I, and we took the kids to Disney World. I've shared some stories from this. But one disappointment was this, is that it not only was it hard to get to Disney World because you had to, you had to make sure that you, they, they limit capacity. So we had to buy our ticket, and then we had to reserve to get into the park. And then when you got to the park, you had to try to reserve to get on this one certain ride. But in order to get on this certain ride, <clears throat> you had to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and hit the button in hopes that you'd get the reservation. So for two mornings, uh, I got up at 5.55, set my, set my timer, and when the timer hit zero, boom, hit that. But by the time I hit the button, the whole site would crash. It crashed every morning. And I'm like, all right, great. We can't go on the coolest ride on the world because I can't get a reservation. So we'd walk by it. I'm like, like this whole time. People would be going on and you hear the screams like, I want to go on the Star Wars ride, right? And the kids are like, Daddy, we want to go on the Star Wars ride. Just look at it, all right? Take a picture by it. We did, right? That, that, they're annoyed, all right? So anyway. But what I don't want you to do is this. I don't want you to find yourself knocking outside of heaven saying, why is my name not on that list? Why can I get in? Let me tell you, it's going to be easier to get into heaven than trying to get in that dumb Star Wars ride in Disney. Because I want you to know this. Anybody and everybody can have their name in the book of life if they just simply come to Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness today and make, and make Jesus Christ their savior of their life. The majority won't in our pride, uh, in our own plans, in our own ways, or even our own procrastination. I've seen people procrastinate with the Lord on their deathbed. And yet, the offer is, for God so loved the world. For God so loved Kenosha. For God so loved your neighborhood. that He gave his one and only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but ever, have everlasting life. It's for everybody that receives. You need to make sure your name's in the book of life, but we see here those that aren't. They will worship the beast. 
The majority of the world will say no. The majority of the world will live in this world as if God doesn't exist. The majority will even approach God with their understanding of making God and who they want God to be and what they want him to be. But it's not by majority rule. It's by Christ's rule. Christ is king. The world is selling what only the Lord can offer. Therefore, point three, don't listen to the taunts of the enemy. Revelation chapter 17, uh, verse 16 through 18. The ten horns you saw and the beast will hate the prostitute. They'll make her desolate and naked. They'll devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put into their hearts to carry out his plan by having one purpose and to have their kingdom to the beast until the words of God fulfilled. And the woman you saw is the great city that has royal power over the kings of the earth. What we'll see here is this. What we'll see here is this, is that they will make her desolate, devour her flesh, and burn her up with fire. There is judgment coming for the enemy. The enemy is a losing enemy, and the enemy knows that, and that's why they want to destroy your life. They are a sabotager, right? The enemy knows their fate, and their fate is certain and it's sure, and they want to take you down with them. Now, if you're in Christ, you know that, that you are, you're, you're not, that's not your fate, and so if you're in Christ, if you're a follower of Christ, he wants to make your life miserable and ineffective right now on this earth. But know this, judgment will occur, Revelation 18.1. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. He called out in a mighty voice, it has fallen. Babylon the great has fallen. She has become home for demons a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. This unnamed angel comes down from heaven. The bold judgments are over. And they said, the great almighty Babylon, who had all the world's resources, all the world's military, all the world's know-how, it is done. They are defeated. And no matter how proud or arrogant or godless or self-reliant mighty people and nations and groups are without God, God will have the last word. He'll have the last word. Judgment will occur for all those who are not followers of Christ. We'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. But the Bible makes clear, I'll read it to you in 2 Peter 3, 7. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction for the ungodly. We'll talk more about that hard situation. That judgment is a hard thing to talk about. A lot of churches won't talk about it maybe once every 10 years if ever. We're gonna t- that, that's going to be the scope of what we're talking about in the, in the next uh, sections of our study of Revelation. God is the only one who can judge the heart of those who are truly his. Thank the Lord, right? Uh, have you thought about that? Like sometimes like, ah, yeah, I don't know what they really believe or whatever. If, if, I was, if I was the judge, like if I, had, if I didn't have the Lamb's Book of Life and I'm like, and, I, and people are like, okay, uh, we're going to separate those that don't know Christ and don't know. I would send people that should be going to heaven to hell and I'd be sending people should be going to heaven. Uh, I, I'd be sending people that are in heaven that should be going to hell, right? Like it's not about appearances. It's about what have they placed their faith and trust in. We simply can't do that. That's, that is God's work to do, right? We have a responsibility to place our faith and trust in Jesus. We have a responsibility to proclaim what we believe, but God knows our heart. He knows our heart. And so he will judge. We'll talk more about that. But you know judgment, here's the beautiful thing. People are like, I don't like talking about judgment. Judgment can be avoided for anyone and everyone. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish spiritually, but have eternal life. Judgment can be avoided. We see this in Revelation 18.4. 
Then I heard another voice from heaven, come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins and receive any of her plagues. This is a call to know Jesus. Uh, This is a call to be different in this world. We are in this world, but not of this world. You are are free when you are in Jesus. Uh, When you're in Jesus, you're free against any judgment. Uh, You're free from the stain of your past sins. You're free from your present. You're free from mistakes in the future. When you are in Christ, you receive it freely by his grace. By grace are you saved through faith, not works so that no one may boast. For we were dead in our transgressions, right? Uh, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is why if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. It's about freedom that is found in the free grace of Jesus Christ that is free for anybody and everybody whosoever believes in him. It's free. Church, it's free. Stop trying to say, God, I don't know. I've received you 5,000 times over the course of my life. I'm going to do it 5,001 because I feel like I just need to do it so you accept me. Stop that. When you receive Jesus Christ, you are his and he has you. You are free. And where there's freedom, you get the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom, man, just put your arms out and say, Lord, the burdens that I've been carrying in this life, the things that have been in your life and my life, listen, I want you to know, we take them around to try to be our own Christs and our own saviors to recompense for whatever's gone on, whatever you feel guilty in your life. This is the beautiful thing about Jesus Christ at the cross is he paid it all, all of it. And you need to take that burden and release it at the foot of the cross today. For some of you, it's going to be your first time. For some of you, it's, you just keep on taking it back. Listen, he wants that. He died for it. He paid for it. He received it. It's no longer yours because he places his righteousness on you. You're free, free, free. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. We're a child of God. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. So here's what I want to challenge you this morning, church. Do you know Christ as Savior? This is your moment to place your faith and trust in him. If you've never personally placed your faith and trust, you can't have someone else do it for you. Going to church doesn't do it for you. Uh, You have to personally say, I need Jesus. Jesus, I need you to save me. You need to personally ask him to save you. If you've never personally asked him to save you, then you haven't received. You have to receive it. If you've never received it, make certain of that right now. In fact, let's just do that right now. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to give opportunity. We're going to pray about some other things too here. But uh, uh, I just want to just give you the opportunity right now. If you don't know Jesus, just cry out to him saying, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I want to place my faith and trust in you alone. Lord Jesus, I, I, I need you. I, I, I need you in my life. I, I, I believe that you died on the cross to save me from my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead. Lord Jesus, I'm placing my faith and trust in you alone. With every head's bowed and eyes closed, if today... You just told Jesus that right now. Today, you want to place your faith and trust in Jesus. Today, you want to receive that forgiveness of Jesus. If that's you with no one looking around, we just slip up your hand and say, that's me. I did that this morning. I want to place, I place my faith and trust in Jesus. I'm saying yes, thank you. I place my faith and trust in Jesus. Is there anybody else? Just raise a hand up high. No one looking around. Say, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going all in. I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus. I want to receive that forgiveness that is in him and in him alone. Awesome. 
So Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are saying yes to you this morning. Lord Jesus, I pray for those that are, that are, that are, that are giving their lives to you right now, that they're placing their faith and trust in what you did on the cross, that you rose from the dead, that they're, they're, they're placing their faith in you to receive your grace. As we continue to pray, I, I just wanna just pray for all of you that you would be lights to this city, this city that so historically, desperately needs Jesus. You are not in Kenosha by mistake. And God wants you to reach your neighbors. He wants you to reach your coworkers. He wants you to reach this city with the gospel. And so that's gonna take a willingness and it's gonna take an alignment. What I mean by willingness is this, is like you're gonna choose this day who you're gonna reach. You've been, just as somebody is uh, procrastinating and receiving Jesus, um, some people are, are procrastinating and sharing Jesus. Procrastination time is over, all right? We are living in a, in a moment where history, hundreds of your history are happening in, in weeks and months. This is your moment to share what people are looking for and they're finding answers in all the wrong places, all right? So it's a willingness and then also an alignment. Where in your life is out of alignment? Uh, maybe maybe it, it comes to your thought life. Maybe it comes to your actions or your words or, or maybe it's the circle of friends that you're around and, and it just whatever it is, there needs to be a realignment to the things of God, to the things where you are, you are you're like, I'm going all in and being fully devoted. This may go for people that have been in church for decades. I want you to know this right now. Alignments can happen even if you're 90 years old and you've been in church your whole life, all right? So a willingness and alignment. So Lord, I just pray for this church right now. I pray that we would all collectively, as Kenosha City Church, that we would be the hands and feet, the light of the gospel right now, this week, the weeks to come uh, with, with, the, with the gospel spoken out loud with words. Heavenly Father, I pray um, that we'd reach our neighborhoods, we'd reach our, our coworkers, we, we would reach the, the just different parts of the city, that God, that we would be open to your Holy Spirit to, to know when you've given us opportunity. So many times you've given us opportunity and our eyes are closed and we don't see it. God, I pray that you give us a willingness to open our eyes and to engage people with Jesus. Father, I pray for an alignment too of our hearts. Uh, whether we've been engaged, God, there's so many things where we say, you know, we're gonna do it your way. We're not gonna do it your way. I'm gonna do it my way. God, I pray that we would realign our hearts uh, to what you have to say, God. Lord, I pray that you'd make us a people of your truth, that you'd give us, uh, we'd be people of your spirit, that we'd be a people of your grace and your mercy. Uh, uh, and God, that we would have long-suffering uh, love for people. And so, Father, I just pray that right now that you would do an amazing work in our hearts and align where we need to align. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give this all to you, God. You're, uh, God, we thank you what you're going to do in advance in, through these people, through Kenosha City Church, uh, through us, through myself this week uh, in, this, uh, in this city, God. And we thank you in advance for the lives that are going to change. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to know more about Kenosha City Church, then check us out online at kenosha.church or on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Kenosha City Church. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to follow us so that you never have to miss an episode. At Kenosha City Church, we are not perfect people, but real people being made new through Jesus.